first is the DU General, Money P. I'ma put you up on the schedule. Six to nine, eight weekdays, not to seven years. We got a lot to talk about, so much to pedal through. Unapologetically progressive. Tune to KBLA 1580 to get the mess. We're your ancestors' favorite radio station. First black on talk radio, left side of the nation. Me and Dominique DePrima go way back. Smiley making sure the station stays black. Discussing all the issues in our community. We're hosting black and brown and others find unity. So let's talk about it. Maybe we can improve it. Digital underground, always down with the moon. So we tune in. The first things first with the queen of black talk radio. Dominique DePrima. Go, sis. KBLA Talk 1580. Good morning and God bless. I'm Dominique Deprima. This show is called First Things First. My very first thing today, tomorrow, and uh, the next day. Giving thanks, giving praises, and asking for blessings from God. Asking for the blessings of the ancestors and the elders. And let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We got a lot to talk about. My Lord, it is a crazy time in the news cycle, in the politics of the world, and in the the conversations here locally. So the way we typically do this, hour one, we look to the left coast, hour two, we go national, international and beyond. And in the third hour, we do a deep dive with a person or persons of interest. Today, uh, we will be in election mode and you know what that means. Stop, start, get in where you fit in. Uh, We will be talking with more people who wish to be the school board member for district one, replacing uh, the iconic George McKenna. And um, I'm hoping that you're going to call in and talk to me between the beats, right? Uh, It is election season. I keep telling you, you can go up on our website, KBLA 1580, and get kbla1580.com and get whatever you need to get as far as past conversations that we have had in this space. You're invited in 800-920-1580. Every hour you're invited in, every hour that I'm on the mic, 800-920-1580. Um, and aside from the school board, we're also going to be hearing from um, a candidate for the uh, 10th district, um, which is Assemblymember Reggie Jones-Sawyer. He'll be speaking with us. So there's a, a lot going on around here. Uh, you know, if you're like me, you're, whoo, it's a lot. It's a lot, lot, lot to take in, and you're perhaps ready for it to be Election Day. But um, if you're not ready, you you know, because you can vote now. I mean, the early voting is open. You can actually go to any vote center right now. You can register the same day. You can vote, and you can keep it pushing but the last day to vote is uh, a week from today. Seven measly days. Uh, tomorrow we'll also be talking to Grace Yu, who wants to be your 10th uh, council district um, representative, and Jahan Epps, who is trying to uh, get the seat in council district eight. So we've got a lot going on around here. And so it shall be. I'm pleased, though, really pleased to be joined this morning uh, by an abolitionist, organizer, educator, minister, and scholar. Uh, She is, uh, she advises a doctoral student research collective focused on womanist and black feminist 
thought. Uh, she co-authored White Jesus, The Architecture of Racism in Religion and Education. She's an organizer with Black Lives Matter Grassroots, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles, and Clergy for Black Lives. And she's a board member of Abolitionist Sanctuary, which is an organization uh, created to training civic leaders, among others. Dr. Tabitha Jones-Jolivet, good morning. Good morning, Dominique. Always good to be with you today. Blessings. Thank you. Received. Blessings back to you. Um, yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> you know, I, I marvel at you, you are in the streets protesting. You are uh, in policy um, arenas advocating, and yet you always stay focused on the spiritual. That, to me, uh, takes real commitment. Well, to, to me, the, the spiritual is always a part of our mundane, everyday lives, right? Um, you know, the spiritual is not somewhere else. It's always right here in this flesh, you know, and in, in wherever it is that our bodies reside, to me, that is where the spiritual lives. Um, and so I'm just, again, grateful to have breath in my body and wherever our people are, that to me is where the spiritual work is. Um, so thank you for always um, having the privilege of, of being able to be in conversation with you. And I'm especially excited to talk with you about the people's budget. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually a big day for the people's budget. Um, you can actually, you know, you can, can they still actually fill it out? Cause tonight is the meeting where we, um, where the results will be unveiled and where the, they will be presented to the mayor of the city of Los Angeles for consideration as she moves towards her next form formulating her next budget. They can still fill out the survey. And so um, for folks who are interested in um, telling uh, both mayor Bass, but also uh, city council here in Los Angeles, how you want to see your tax dollars spent. And this is whether you are a resident of Los Angeles or whether you're a student or you own property in Los Angeles, you might go to church in Los Angeles or to, um, you know, you might belong, for example, to some type of civic organization. Um, if you have interest in uh, what's happening in L.A. City, uh, you might work in L.A. City. Um, you might have any interest in the city and are a stakeholder, um, right? Uh, we want to hear from you about, how you want to see city resources um, prioritized. You can go to peoplesbudgetla.com slash survey and take a 10-minute survey um, and, and tell us what you think um, the city ought to do with your money um, because we think that participatory budgeting is critical. Uh, the people of Los Angeles ought to be able to say, and, and I, I think your audience ought to be able to say, especially as black folks, right? How we think our resources ought to be expended in this city. Um, we're going to use that, that data that's being collected to tell, um, especially tonight, Mayor Bass, who's the first mayor who's ever said, I'm going to come right to Lamert Park. Um, I'm going to come to the Center for Black Power, uh, which is located at um, let, me, let me make sure I get our address right. 3423 West 43rd Place, uh, right in Africatown. Uh, that's what we call it, but Lamert Park Plaza. I'm going to come there tonight at 7 p.m. 
And I'm going to hear directly from the people about what you believe ought to be the city's budget priorities at 7 p.m. Yes. Tonight. So anyone can come, right? It's and it's except for anyone can come. except for cops except and for haters. haters and <laughs> That's right. Haters and cops, you're not welcome. But everybody else, we want you to be there. Let's pack the house and let's make sure that we lift up what we believe our priorities are for investing in what we believe will help us to flourish as black people. So the people's budget is something that was, um, is led by black lives matter LA, but it's actually a coalition of different advocacy groups, right? Yeah. So it, it, do we have time to talk a little bit about how we started the people's budget? Of course. Yeah. So we, we, we established the people's budget, um, in 2020. And of course, when we say that year, I think everybody remembers what was happening. But let me kind of just briefly situate us. So in 2020, as the pandemic began, especially in early March, right, we remember when the world stopped, literally the world stopped, right? We began to notice um, especially in Los Angeles, that no one um, as, a, as public officials were keeping track of how the pandemic was disproportionately affecting black people. Uh, we were beginning to notice that black businesses, right, uh, black workers, uh, but also black elders and, and others in our community were being harmed disproportionately by this pandem- pandemic, and no one was tracking that. And so we became concerned about that. Uh, we convened uh, really the first ever um, convening of black black leaders across the city um, in an emergency meeting. Um, and we had um, dozens of black organizations that often do not get in the same space uh, come together um, and say, we, we've got to do something to speak to the city about needing to address uh, this disproportionate harm to black people. And so we developed um, 55 demands of our city to say, you've got to focus on uh, black people, especially in the midst of this crisis, this global health pandemic. And as a result of that, we decided to uh, form the People's Budget Coalition, which represented a variety of organizations, community-led organizations that were focused on ensuring that we will begin to especially think about our budget as a moral and ethical um, priority. Because when you start to think about the budget, budgets tell us what are valued in a city, right? Uh, where you spend your money in a city tells you exactly what is valued. And all too often, the largest share of the budget in our city has gone to policing, And that does not leave room for us to invest in services that we believe often keep us the safest. Things like housing, right? Things like um, mental health resources, things like health resources, which was exactly what was needed in the midst of a global health pandemic. And so we began organizing with organizations like uh, Community Coalition, the Reverence Project, and a variety, dozens and dozens of other organizations, which we'll talk about tonight when we tell you about the history of the People's Budget Coalition. 
And we began to ready ourselves to speak to um, the city and especially city council about the People's Budget Coalition and the People's Budget. We launched a survey and started collecting data. And we also began to talk to people across the city in virtual town halls because, remember, all of us, many of us were um, uh, imposed under the stay-at-home order while so many of our community members were considered essential workers still having to expose themselves to this very dangerous virus. Um, That ultimately led us to, of course, um, a moment of crisis when we remember George Floyd um, being murdered, um, publicly executed by Minneapolis police um, in broad daylight um, on May 25th um, as the entire world watched. Um, I know you probably need to take a break, and so I'll, I'll, I'll sort of close these comments to say this moment was when the world broke open. And we thought that it was a moment um, that dared us to reimagine public safety. And the people's budget uh, has been influential in city government uh, in some ways. We'll talk about a little bit more when we come forward uh, and what the challenges are, because there are some challenges, as we saw with last year's city budget. Listening to KBLA Talk 1580, we are unapologetically progressive. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Your ancestors' favorite radio station. Radio station. And your favorite morning show host. Let's get back to Dominique DePrima right now. Right now. Right now. Uh, yeah, so, so much going on in this city and this country right now. I'm talking with Tabitha jones Jolivet, and, you know, we, um, we got a lot going on, um, including... We're in the middle of an election, but it's also budget season. And so the people's budget uh, is what she was talking about, the origins of this initiative, which have clearly impacted uh, at least the thinking of city officials. We see the participatory budget experiment. It's a small slice of the budget that's being handled by the L.A. Civil Rights Department. To me, that is something and that's something that came forth under the, the prior mayor, but it seemed like a response to the people's budget with well, the people's budget. You can go to peoplesbudget.com and you can fill out a quick survey saying how you want to spend the dollars that are in our city coffers. What are your priorities? And it's been interesting. Um, you know, defund the police became like a third rail in politics. You know, people were scared of the phrase and even within progressive and liberal or moderate circles um, became a bit of a litmus test. Uh, Some people, you know, took it to mean, oh, we don't want any public safety. Um, But the people's budget to me is a way of dealing with that issue of how do you radically reimagine public safety or just our city services in a way that is in alignment with what most people uh, most, especially um, working class people, uh, black people want. And of course, anyone can fill out the survey. I mean, Elon Musk could fill it out uh, if he still lived here. But most of the f- respondents uh, we find are from community, even though it's been pretty, uh, pretty broad, right? Uh, Dr. Jones Jolivet, in terms of the people that have responded, they're from a lot of different parts of the city so far, right? 
Oh, yeah. So the survey, we make sure um, reaches um, all of our city council districts. And um, we want to be clear as the, the people's um, uh, budget, we, we want to be clear that we are making sure that the voices of black Angelinos and brown Angelinos and working class Angelinos and Angelinos that are often seen as disposable and um, on the margins of this city that the city tries to sort of hide itself from, right, and, and dispose of folks, right? We want to make sure that their voices are at the center of this um, budget. And so we go to our folks um, to make sure that they are heard because the city often uh, tries to ignore them in, um, make, in public policy decisions, right? And so, um, yes, everyone's voices um, are included in this survey, and we make sure that we are purposeful, as we say, in our sampling process. And sampling is just a way of making sure that we get to our people. Um, and, again, you can go to peoplesbudgetla.com slash survey to take the survey. It's not too late. We want your listeners to go right now. Um, it just takes 10 minutes to make sure that your voices are counted and telling the city how you want to see your money invested. Because right. As and, you mentioned. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, as you mentioned, Dominique, there, there are lots of ways that people talk about what keeps us safe. And think about this. Um, we, have, we have a city, and this is not unique to L.A., but L.A. leads the way in this that keeps this narrative of hysteria going. And it's especially led by um, these corporate folks. It's led by um, organizations like the LAPPL, that's the police associations uh, that essentially shield um, cops from any level of accountability when they harm our people. They keep this narrative going that says, crime is rising, our people don't feel safe. Right. They, they keep spinning this narrative in the news and they create a kind of hysteria um, where people don't feel any sense of safety. Right. Um, and let's be clear, all of us want to have a sense of safety and they keep investing dollar after dollar after dollar in policing. And it's been rising over time for the last, what, 50 years. Simultaneously. What that does is it extracts resources from our communities and they abandon our communities. They don't invest in the kinds of things that we know make safe communities, right? So people like Rick Caruso, who was Karen Bass's opponent, who was defeated by, the, by, by our folks, right? Um, he doesn't live in a place where police are constantly circling, right? Um, he doesn't have to worry about police rolling up on him constantly when he's driving around in his neighborhood, because why? He has the kind of resources in his neighborhood where he can go to green parks, have libraries that are funded, have places where his children can go to school and they have the resources that they need, have mental health resources and care the kinds of things that actually keep people safe. And so when you hear people say, we want police, what they really mean is we want to police black people. 
We want to please. Well, I mean, I th- I, Dr. Joan Shalavet, I, I think that's true when you hear more affluent communities, and especially people who aren't black saying that, but I do hear some elders. I hear some of our black of elders course. saying they want policing. And that's one of the things you can see. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out, but KBLA Talk 1580 did a um, a poll with Eviteris. And we, actually, we have two of them up right now. Um, there's a groundbreaking poll that's up right now about uh, the climate emergency. But there was one that we did uh, about a month ago, I want to say, um, that talks about public safety in the DA's race. We've only got a minute and a half here before uh, sure. news, traffic, and sports, but we can continue on the other side. But one of the things you find is that black folks are saying in our in our s- survey, reform hasn't gone far enough, and we want more police. Yes, and I, you know, and here's, here's the other point I want to make, and I appreciate you bringing this up, because I agree with our elders. We want to be secure in our communities. And where I think what we are lifting up is we would have more securities in our community if we were investing in the kinds of things that actually create well-being and security in our communities early in life, right, before people were engaged in the kind of activity that creates community harm. And that's often what people are talking about, right? Um, community harm often is a result of, right, proximity to the kinds of things that come from organized abandonment. And that is what I've been talking about. Organized abandonment is, is a fancy way of talking about the ways in which cities divest resources, social resources from communities um, that they don't care about, that they dispose of. And that's what I've been describing in all of the ways in which services, as you've pointed out, um, have, have fundamentally been um, divested from in the city. Hold that thought, uh, Dr. Jones-Jolivet. We, we have news, traffic, and sports. We'll continue the conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. Thank you indeed. And you're welcome into the conversation, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Talking with Dr. Tabitha Jones-Jolivet. And uh, you were talking about, you know, this whole idea that was revealed in our public um, research survey that, you know, some black folks, especially elders, do want police. And you were equating that with a desire to uh, for safety, which, you know, of course, it makes sense. And what you were calling organized abandonment, you wanted to um, I wanted to let you land on that point. Yeah, and so, or, yeah, and, and I, again, I want to restate this because I think it's so important. Um, our elders are right. We need to be secure in our communities. We need to be secure in our communities. And, and this is the point. Community, right, is what we most need to be secure. And community is fractured when cities are desperately seeking to isolate us, to divest resources, to, um, to fracture, right, neighborliness among us in our communities. And that happens, right, when cities divest resources within communities. 
And so again, think about this. Um, when, when people don't have access to good food, right? Um, this creates um, food deserts that make it difficult for people to have their basic needs met in a, in a community, right? That's not neighborly, right? When people don't have access to green space, that is by design. That is city, city architecture and planning. And that is not universally true everywhere in the city, right? That's by design. When people, when, when communities, and again, you, you, you can go to various parts of the world and see this. I've been, for example, to South Africa um, in, 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 a, in a country that is indigenously African, and I've seen with my own eyes the parallel between South Africa, for example, and the apartheid United States and the ways in which South Africa was designed around apartheid policy and how they mapped that around what the United States did, right, in, in its own apartheid policies. Black people are targeted for a kind of anti-black racial animus. And that is what we mean when we talk about this organized abandonment, which comes from someone named Ruth Wilson Gilmore. She's this fantastic geographer, and she talks about how organized abandonment is a function of design. It's geography. It's, the, it's, it's a sense of place. And it's a way in which a city shows you how it values, and, con and conversely, what it devalues. And so when we think about the devaluing of black life, right, in contrast to the valuing of white life and not only that, white property, right, you can see that in the ways in which white property is protected and white life is protected and conversely, the ways in which black life is not just devalued but um, disrespected and ultimately set up for premature death, often at the hands of policing, but also other ways like um, what, what scholar Arlene Geronimo calls weathering, this constant, persistent, early premature death in the forms of social abandonment. And so for us, when we begin to understand Again, this long trajectory of, of stealing resources from black communities and brown communities as a matter of design. And again, as a matter of systemically budgeting, right? Budgeting, um, budgeting so that over time, this, this constant hysteria around Nobody feels safe. We're going to keep giving all of the city's money, its largest share, to policing. And people keep saying, we still don't feel safe. Um, and they keep giving more and more money to police, and they keep militarizing police, right? And people still don't feel safe. After a while, when do people start to say, well, wait, when is this going to be called failed policy, right? You see? Nothing else would ever survive that kind of failed policy. And again, as Pete White would say, this is recession proof. Policing continues to receive 
the largest share of the budget, despite the fact that no one can tell us that police are solving crime, ending crime. In fact, they're often contributing to harm. While simultaneously, we continue to see the lack of investment in the kinds of things that actually cultivate real community. Like, um, again, when, when, when grandmamas and members of our neighborhood are actually caring for and building intergenerational relationships, folks are sharing meals together. Folks actually have time to do the kinds of things that actually, like having block parties and drum circles like we see in Lamert Park, that our elders have places to actually affordably, right, live out their lives with real care. Right. right? I mean, and the good thing... figure. The good yeah, thing about go the people's budget is that if you want cops or you don't want cops, it's your opinion that you get to put down. So it doesn't, you get you know, to put that down. You get to tell us that. Yeah. But this is, uh, this is Dominique, the, the, the vision that we're hoping people can begin to understand and, and start to think about what is, what are our freedom dreams? If we were to imagine ourselves flourishing, not accepting a status quo that frankly has been designed by people who are imagining um, our our demise, right? right? Yeah, and building a world with us sort of ending in premature death. I mean, that's who designed this this setup. Right, you're talking about uh, you know systemic racism, the disenfrancisement, not just of black people, anti-blackness. but yeah, anti-blackness and also anti-poorness. Um, anti-working right. classness, um, but it's I, I just point that out because we started out talking about the people's budget, and for some folks it's not drum circles. For some folks it's better lighting, right? Um, for some folks no it's question. more you know more uh, upkeep of streets and and the the removal of trash. Fixing it's, the potholes, right? That's fixing right. the pot. It's That's also exactly or it right. could be you know putting even more into what we are doing to get folks housed. Um, and, or addressing mental health health issues, but all of that is contained in the people's budget. It's not cops or nothing. It's like what what do you think we should be spending our money? Because it is our money. We pay taxes um, on a state and sales tax and federal level. We get taxed. So what do we want to spend our money on? And that's I mean I already took the survey. I took it a while ago, but I, I you know I do it right. every year. Um, but this, you know, whether it literally ends up being the budget or not, clearly it is influencing at this point. It is influencing policymakers because you see them doing sort of a a bit of a copy of it with the participatory budgeting. And now you've got the mayor actually sitting down and listening to the results of that people's budget survey and at least hearing out what you and I had to say about our priorities. And Mayor Bass actually, she met with um, a small team of us, both Melina, Dr. Melina Abdullah, as well as Dr. David Turner, who helps to co-lead um, our uh, people's budget um, process. And we all met with Mayor Bass and um, members of her team. And she said, hey, would you all move your, your um, people's budget timeline up earlier? Uh, because we really want to hear from you sooner. Uh, so that 
we can actually take into consideration what the people are saying um, as we begin to go into budgeting season. And so that's why we started this way back in October. We launched the survey sooner and we're beginning to share results and findings from the survey earlier. Um, and that's why we're meeting again tonight at 7 p.m. at the Center for Black Power, um, because we want to make sure that that Mayor Bass and City Council hear from us much, much earlier. Uh, yeah. uh, so we really do hope that folks come out tonight. Yeah. That's a great point. And by the way, she did. She met with, you know, people's uh, budget supporters last year and as you pointed out yourself and dr david uh, turner you know went through some of the data and i think it was packed if i remember correctly um, oh yeah oh yeah so i would get there early if i were you it's at uh, 3423 west 43rd place it, it's not street it's place it's right next door place, that's right to the lamert park uh, metro station and it's you know it, a lot of people don't know where it is, but I guess they do now because it was packed. And I was packed when Dr. Uh, Gerald Horn was there, too. So I guess a lot of you do know where it is, but I've had folks asking me. So if you're on Crenshaw, it's right next to the Lamert Park stop on the metro. It's literally um, the building next door to the metro stop if you are going in towards Lamert Park. We're talking with Tabitha jones Jolivet. How do we weigh in? How do we impact? What say-so do we have in the way our city spends its money? That's what the People's Budget all is all about. Continuing the conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. The station you turn to when you had it up to here with cultural incompetence. KBLA Talk 1580. We're not for everybody, but we're for everybody. You're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. And there's so many factors in, uh, you know, political power, um, budgeting, of course, as you were saying, you know, it, it's it's a reflection of what's important to us, what our priorities are. We're in election season. It's quite a heated season at that. And there's an interesting article in today's L.A. Times talking about the 57th and the carving, the I guess, the competition and coalition between black and Latino communities, voters in L.A. One of the things I find, uh, you know, nuanced and important about it is they kind of distinguish between East Side Latino politics and South L.A. Latino politics, which are really different because we've coexisted um, here. And they are talking about the 14th, he's talking about the 14th, right, Where, which was, which is currently represented by Kevin DeLeon. He's also talking about the 57th, where your fellow BLMLA, um, 57th Assembly District, where your fellow BLMLA uh, worker is running, uh, Akili, Greg Akili on the ballot. But um, they're kind of, uh, kind of implying like, oh, it's time, it's time for a Latino to sit in that seat. Um but I guess where I'm going with that is like the one of the projects that does continue for BLMLA, even though it hasn't gotten a lot of press, is the door knocking around the removal of Kevin DeLeon, the disgraced uh, racist um, anti-renter city council member who still sits on the city council and who's being challenged by a raft of other candidates. Yeah, so it, it's it's unmistakably clear that Kevin DeLeon must go. 
Um, and so not only has Kevin DeLeon, um, you know, mocked um, a black child um, and, um, you know, spewed anti-black sentiments, uh, but under his leadership in city council, he's responsible for one of the largest black neighborhoods in Los Angeles, and that is Skid Row, right? Where unhoused black people are continuing to not receive the resources that they need um, and the affordable housing and care that they need. And again, this is why this is tied to the people's budget. We actually have the audacity to believe that the city um, of Los Angeles can house affordably um, all people. We think that there's an abundance of housing in Los Angeles. There actually is an abundance of housing in Los Angeles. Um, we think that everybody in the city can be housed um, and that our people on Skid Row can, in fact, be housed. Uh, we, we, that's actually not a radical idea. Um, to me, what, what's, what's stunning is that someone like Kevin DeLeon, who's clearly anti-Black, is still sitting in City Hall. And so what, what I implore voters to do is to vote him out. Um, if you are listening and you are in his um, city council district, vote him out. Vote him out. There is no room in City Hall for anti-Blackness, and don't buy his rhetoric. Um, he's clearly demonstrated um, that he is anti-Black, not simply in um, saying anti-Black things, but demonstrating by virtue of doing nothing to ensure that all of the people who are unhoused um, continue to be unhoused and continue to not have access to the resources that they need um, to be affordably housed, but also cared for um, with a wraparound services that ensure that their dignity um, and their humanity is, is supported with all that they need to not simply survive, but to flourish. And that is what the people's budget is about. When we imagine what it takes to flourish in life, how do we build a budget that ensures that people flourish, that this earth that we all share, right, that we must share because it is our collective home, right? And, and Los Angeles plays a significant role in ensuring that this environment that we share, this land, right, this colonized land that we must share, right, that is indigenous to the Tongva and other indigenous people. How do we ensure that we are caretakers, right, and simultaneously um, ensure that black people who, again, all of our people have been enslaved and this city owes us reparations, right, for enslaving our people, how do we do right and be in right relationship Well, we invest resources in our communities and we do so by listening to the people who are closest to the harm? You can do that, right, by telling the city what we need to flourish, not simply to survive. So please take the People's Budget Survey. Please go to peoplesbudgetla.com slash survey and tell the city not just sort of what we need to preserve the status quo, and the status quo is ultimately leading to premature death, right? That's ultimately, I think, what people, um, we think we, we need to kind of contend with, right? 
Um, we, we want more than survival. We want to flourish. We want to flourish. And we believe in abundance. There is enough. There is enough. If we were to really reimagine how we share resources, how we build community, how we intergenerationally and collectively begin to share, right? Because um, that's who we are as a people. That's who we are when we really, really reimagine what it means to build community and well-being, investing in cultures of care, and addressing harm when it happens in ways that transform harm, not simply add more harm to harm, right? This is what we know, right? Yeah. When we do those things, that can radically transform um, our society. And this is the vision that Dr. King um, ultimately fought for when he talked about beloved community. And I know our elders remember that. I know our elders remember that. And that's what often led folks to the streets. And that's what we're fighting for in Black Lives Matter. And so please do join us tonight at 7 p.m. at the Center for Black Power at 3423 West 43rd Place in Lamert Park. That is the mayor's going to be there. 7 p.m. The mayor will be there. You can hear what everyone else who filled out the survey, you know, what the, the community um, in mass thinks we ought to prioritize in our budget. Um, and, and I do want to remind you that, uh, you know, these decisions make a difference um, where we where we allocate our, our dollars, who we vote for, who is standing up there. Um, and if you haven't seen it, KBLA Talk 1580 has released a groundbreaking results from a survey. This is this is why we participate in surveys so our voices can be heard. This is about environmental issues and the impacts of pollution, climate change, those oil wells and such on our community. That poll provides insights into black voter sentiments and preferences on environmental issues. This one for the city budget. It's it's so awesome when we step up and make our voices heard because no one else is going to do it. And this environmental justice, social justice, and civil rights um, is really a survey about all of those things because there are there's intersectionality and our polling shows that black people get that. Um, we believe that pollution, the climate change, and other forms of harm impact black and Latino uh, communities more than others, low-income communities, more than Asian and white and, and wealthy coastal communities. If you want to find out more, if you want to get down with our Climate is King uh, this year of commitment to that, go to kbla1580.com. If you want to fill out the People's Budget Survey, you know, let your thoughts be known. Maybe that's what we're doing today on this Talking Point Tuesday. Peoplesbudgetla.com is where you should go. Peoplesbudgetla.com. Dr. Tabitha Jones Jolivet, thank you so much for being with us today. Dominic, thank you so much for having me. And I'll leave you with this the words of Ruth Wilson Gilmore Life is precious, life is precious. And I will add, black life is precious. This is fundamentally what the people's budget is all about. Please, please, please. Uh, fill out the surveys, peoplesbudgetla.com slash survey. And come join us tonight, 7 p.m. Excellent. Time for news, traffic, and sports, and then more on KBLA Talk 1580.